Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Your co-hosts, Jamie Albright and Sarah Rosette, couldn't be more different. In fact, they're a study in contrasts. However, despite all of their differences, they agree that sharing what they wish they'd known, both the good and the bad, is the key to moving forward. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Them podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And we are here today chatting a little few minutes before the interview we have today with Becca Syme. Yes, I can't wait. I know. She's so awesome. So we're both big fans of Becca Syme. Mm, Yeah. We've both taken her classes, and uh, we both pinned her down at a conference and made her talk to us and give us her wisdom and insight. Yes, we made her go to dinner with us. Yeah, we double teamed her in, uh, wouldn't let her leave. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that didn't yeah. sound right, but. Yeah, no, I think Becca is in, an interesting person to talk to because she's so smart. She knows yes. so much, yeah. and she's an excellent fiction writer, but then she also has all this knowledge about personality and using it to help you write better and faster. Mm -hmm. And I just think I've taken two of her courses and it's Mm -hmm. really helped me kind of zero in on what will work best for me and kind of filter out some information that's not as helpful. Right. What I love about Becca is she's so stinking positive. Like (laughs) it's not like anything you have or the things you think work against you, she's constantly turning them around and helping you see the positive side of the things that do work for you. And I hope you guys will get that in this interview today. So I think we should uh, start the interview. How about you, Sarah? I do too. Let's go for it. Hey, Becca. Hi, Jamie. So you started in romance. Um, Mm -hmm. How did you come to write in that genre? Well, I grew up reading romance. Like I have that typical story of kind of most young girls, right? Who you snuck romance novels from somebody <laughs> else's bookshelf, right? Yeah. And, and I read almost exclusively in the romance genre. I read historical, um, like Scottish Highlanders and Regency mm-hmm. and pirates and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I so um, I always knew I wanted to be a writer. Yeah, I love historicals. And so I started off writing historicals because that's what I grew up uh, grew up reading. And mm-hmm. so I just, it was very much a, I love these stories. I want to write one of my own kind of an experience. And I think that's pretty common among romance writers. Yeah, yeah. Me too, me too. I love, I love love. And I, I want to write a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you moved into mystery. So how did you transfer it to that genre and what drew you to it? So I found myself in my romance novels writing mysteries and not realizing it. So like I wrote a series of contemporary romance books and uh, it was pretty intense because like I, I believed so much in those books and they didn't sell. And I was so frustrated that they weren't selling and they were packaged well and everybody who read them loved them. And I could not figure out why they weren't selling. And my mom read one of them. And she was like, this kind of reads like Nancy Drew. 
And I was like, no, it's a romance novel. And she's like, Rebecca, they're solving a mystery. Um, and so my mom calls me Rebecca, obviously. Um, but so I, I decided to try one because I, like, I grew up reading um, Nancy Drew as a kid. Like that's what I read goosebumps and Nancy Drew and the Hardy boys and that kind. And then I eventually graduated to Agatha Christie and Sue Grafton and, and that kind of stuff. But, um, (laughs) it really was an accident. Like it was because I was writing them and not realizing it. And even my historicals that I sold when I went back and looked at them, I'm like, Oh yeah, I just have that desire to hide stuff from people and have complicated <laughs> relationships and then like have a puzzle that everybody <laughs> well that's my favorite thing so yeah I think, <clears throat> really, I think it's really funny how like a lot of times we'll write things and we don't really know what we're writing yeah. we think we're writing one thing and then we're writing something else yes and it sometimes yeah. it takes another person to tell us yep. no you're doing this because I thought I was writing romantic suspense and I was not. No, you're definitely a mystery <laughs> yeah, writer. You're a mystery yeah, writer. I know. It only took me really a couple of years to figure that out. Yeah, right. Well, and now you've added nonfiction uh, with your mm-hmm. Write Better Faster courses. Like, what what caused the pivot in that, or what made you pivot and uh, go into nonfiction? Yeah, I had a background because when I started off as a professional, like when I got my first jobs, I was doing nonprofit work. And I ended up going to grad school, which was really seminary, which by the way, <clears throat> someday I'll tell you the story of how I went to seminary and didn't know it. Um, that's a hilarious story. It's a theme. Yeah. It is a theme. I, yeah. Like literally a lack of self-awareness is the theme of my life. And uh, so it's no surprise that I sort of glom on to self-awareness stuff now as an, as an adult, because um I was doing so much and not realizing it. So like when I was doing a nonprofit work, I was doing um, basically personality alignment. So like working with people or working with youth or organizations or whatever, and trying to help them become what they were meant to be based on what their wiring is like, based on how their brain is functioning strongly. Mm -hmm. And um, when I started writing romance, which was kind of a, like I always wanted to be a writer. And then when I started writing romance, I started coaching my friends because I had been coaching like for in my uh, professional life. Mm-hmm. I started coaching my friends sort of as an accident. <laughs> um, and, and then I just, it, it sort of just snowballed from there because oh, it's such great. a powerful program. Yeah. yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. So you've got a lot going on like with yeah. your... <laughs> all your fiction and your nonfiction. Um, so how do you, um, juggle it all? And do you have any tips for the rest of us? Yeah. I mean, for me, it really started to clarify when I decided what was more important to me. Like, was it more important? Because of course, like I, I like people and I like and I, people's opinions matter to me. I mean, I guess there's no other way to say that. That's actually a strength behavior by the way it's called significance um but people's opinions matter to me a lot and so i was doing a lot of stuff because people were liking it because they were impacted by it and and i had to really sit down about a year and a half ago and ask myself like what's really important to me long term am i going to care more 
that I continue to write romance and try and get a Rita or write mystery and try and get a, um, like an Edgar, you know, or something Mm -hmm. like that or an Agatha. And so am I going to try harder for that? Or am I going to try to help the people who are in front of me? And it really was more important for me personally to spend more of my time helping the people who were in front of me, which was writers. And so, um, I actually let the fiction take quite a bit of a backseat um, almost 18 months ago. And that was a really hard decision for a kid who grew up wanting to be a novelist, right? <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. that was painful. But um, I was, I'm really happy that I did it because I'll always be able to go back to the writing. And I do still, like I write for fun now um, because <laughs> I do other things, but, um, but I'll well, always be able to go back to it. Well, I would say from a writer perspective, somebody that's in the community, I think what you're doing is awesome for other writers because it's something that I've never, it's a perspective that I haven't had before because Mm -hmm. it's with the strengths, it's like you find out what you're good at and you lean into that. And I think a lot of the mindset is, well, I'm you're not good at this. So let's help you get better and increase that. And then, you know, you can improve yourself, but like you always say, you can improve so much more if you lean into what you're good at. And that's just very freeing in a way, because then you can say, oh, well, I don't really enjoy doing ads or I don't enjoy writing back cover copy or whatever. And you can say, I can have somebody else do that. I think it's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think that just what you said, that other people's opinions matter to you but that's a strength. It's called significance. I mean, that's so positive. I mean, it's taking, it's taking things that we've seen possibly as negatives or things that work against us and flipping them around. I just think that's awesome. I think it's great. I love it. Yeah. I I think it's so great for writers to, well, everyone, but writers in particular to, to uh, concentrate on it. So what would you say is your biggest wish I'd known then moment? Well, I have two. First oh, of all, I want to say I love the format of this podcast so much because specifically because there are things that if you don't have to spend time learning those lessons, please God don't. Yeah. Like don't, <laughs> don't <laughs> learn from my mistakes yeah, for the no. love of everything. Holy. Yeah. Um, so I have one for fiction and one for nonfiction, if that's okay. Yeah, I'd um, love them. My fiction, wish I'd known then, was that writing what you love is way more profitable than trying to write something that somebody says is selling. And mm. I just had no idea. And I, um, if you've never heard Jennifer Barnes talk before, um, listening to her last year at RWA sort of blew my mind because mm-hmm. she talked about how people's first books um, tend to be their like their best sellers when they when they uh, with the fans right they're the most popular with the fans because they're meeting all of those and I keep thinking back to my very first books that I wrote and I'm like yeah those like the my two first books are the two fiction books that sell the best because I let myself write what I loved to write and I wasn't thinking about um and Jamie you've had this experience and like several other writers have had this where like when I get to write what I love it's like the readers respond so much better and so that's my big like I wish that I hadn't gone market chasing Mm -hmm. I wish that I hadn't gone trend chasing 
Um, Because when I came back around again and started writing mysteries, which I love and always thought I was too crappy of a writer to write. (laughs) And and that's why I didn't write them at first. Um, Which is horribly judgmental of me. Like they're kind of intimidating. It's an intimidating intimidating genre because there is a lot of moving parts to it. But if you love it and you know it, then you should try it. (laughs) When your brain works that way, like you just create the complex puzzles regardless of what you're doing anyway. Right. And like I was writing romance and not doing a very good job of it because I was meeting the wrong reader expectations because I was really wanting something else out of the book. So that's a huge, that was a huge one for me. Yeah. I, um, I, my first book, my first book is like an homage to romantic comedy. I mean, every, (laughs) every, um, thing I love about romantic comedy is in that first book. It it probably is why it's done as well as it's done because it just hits all the buttons. Yeah, because you kind of wrote it as a fan of the genre. Oh, I did. So, like, you meet all of the fan expectations, and I think that's so huge. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's that's such a good wish I'd known then piece of advice because that is so true. And what's your nonfiction one? So, my nonfiction one is that I wish that I had been able to determine quicker when I should have pivoted because, um, like, I was doing really well. And as far as message landing goes, like I had a a unique message, I had content that nobody else was producing. And it took me almost two years to do something like start a podcast because um, I was waiting for my fiction to feel like it was really the center of my life. And I was kind of doing the coaching off on the side, but I wasn't aware of just how big the landing was. Like the message just landed so powerfully. And I really wish that I had started my YouTube channel. Like I have a a YouTube channel podcast Mm -hmm. that I wish that I'd started about two and a half years ago when I first started to see the need in the community for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I could have 300 episodes out right you know what I mean um and that kind of was a that was a big wish I'd known then yeah Yeah. so just did you have the gut feeling that you should Mm -hmm. and you just kind of put it off or did you just not even recognize that yeah and like is normal I didn't trust my own expertise Mm -hmm. which is so stupid because and not stupid like oh I'm such an idiot but more like it does. It's not logical because I yeah. had been already doing this um, coaching with the Scallop program for mm-hmm. more than ten years when I had that idea, and I thought I really need to get this information out there. And then immediately in my head was the, but are you really the best person to do that? Do you really know yeah. enough? Are you yeah. really smart enough? And um, are you really going to help people? And then there's also because I do have significance, and it does matter to me mm-hmm. how things land. I didn't want to alienate and offend anybody and like push people away or, or get negative attention for myself. So it, it's yeah. taken a lot of support from my like three best friends to mm-hmm. actually do this podcast where like I'm a target, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not that anybody is a target, but I feel like a, I feel very yeah, exposed. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah so, it is um, exposing. It was fear. Yeah. 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 It was definitely fear. Yeah. That yeah. kept me from it. So what, what would you, why do you think there's such a need for what you do in the community? 
some of it is because um, what goes on in our brain is so subconscious and so immediate Mm -hmm. and we don't ever question that it's different from what goes on in anybody else's brain. Like until I heard about the strengths finder, I assumed everybody wanted to be on stage and wanted to be the center. (laughs) And and why, you know what I mean? I was like, no, that's just you and me. I said, that's not true. (laughs) When I met Jamie, I was like, oh, this girl, I get, I get her. her." Cause I feel like as a significance, like I have something important to deliver when I get on stage. And so I have a lot of confidence in myself when I step out there. And that's something I didn't realize it was unique, I guess, or not normal. And so when I first learned that not only was it normal, but it was a strength and it was necessary for us as a human race Mm -hmm. to move forward in order for me to fill the role that I, that I have Mm -hmm. right in my Mm -hmm. brain. And so Mm -hmm. like, I think that is not, let's say intuitive for most people. And so most people go through life either thinking everybody thinks like them. And so when I give somebody advice and they don't follow it, then they're stupid or there's something wrong with them or they didn't understand what I said, as opposed to what usually happens, which is, okay, they're just not wired like you. And so they need to listen to somebody else. And that's the part that's not intuitive. And I have a lot of passion about that because we just, I just came from a writer's conference. Mm -hmm. And every time I hear somebody talk about what they do, like that's successful. And they say from stage, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. I cringe a little bit Mm because I'm like, well, but Mm -hmm. like, if they're not wired like you, that's not going to help them. And so I'm always grateful to see people with opposing perspectives Mm -hmm. on stage and at the same conference so that you can hear like, okay, there's other ways to do this. Right. And I think another thing is we, we tend to compare our insides with other people's outsides. Yeah. And so we think, oh, well, they got it all together or their <laughs> strengths are, yep. are better than my strengths or my yep. strengths aren't strengths at all. So yeah, I, yep. think, that, that, I think that's another really good reason to, for your course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think the strengths are really cool because it helps you understand yourself better but then it helps you understand other people better because you oh, can, yeah. Yeah. now I'm yep. starting to, I look at people and I go, oh, she's analytical and that's why she's acting like that. And then I'm starting to use it in my writing too, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. That's what I love too. Cause the traits are so universal. Like, mm-hmm. and the interesting part is that cross language barriers across generational mm-hmm. gender barriers, it doesn't matter. The traits are the traits. And so if you're writing an analytical human and you're using that language of like who is an analytical and how do they think and what would mm-hmm. they say, people who have high analytical are going to resonate with that because they're like, yeah, that's exactly what my brain is like inside my head. So right. yeah. it's pretty cool even as a tool for writing. Yeah. So we are all about like lessons learned. And like you said, learning from our mistakes. So um, we were curious, have you ever made a mistake that turned out to be a good thing? Like you thought something was not a good choice or a good decision at one point. And then looking back on it now, you go, oh, that was okay. That actually turned out well. I have high connectedness. So I basically feel that way about every mistake that I ever make. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a blessing, I guess, because I don't ever regret doing things like even when I do stupid stuff. But so one of the ones that stands out the most is that I did not follow the advice of the day when I released my mystery novels. 
um, and I didn't release them into Kindle Unlimited and I didn't um, uh, uh, release them quickly, right? Mm -hmm. So I had 90 days between the first two and then almost three months, um, uh, longer than three months between the second two. And they did not take off the way that I thought that they could and the way that the, again, the reader's responses. Um, that Vanjie has her own little community of people who just are in love with her, but it's very small and I wanted it to be bigger. So I didn't follow that. But then if my mystery novels had taken off, I never ever would have this. done yeah. this nonfiction thing. Yeah. And so yeah. like I have plenty of time to learn the lessons and self-publishing is not going anywhere. Like yeah. I'm going to be mm -hmm. able to do uh, whatever I want for the rest of the time that I'm alive on the earth. Okay. And so yeah even mistakes, I think, as long as you learn from them, and that's my big thing, right, is like, yeah. uh, make the mistake. It's better to make the mistake than not to do anything. Right. And so, and, it, and it's yeah. so hard in this cult, in this kind of environment that we have right now, not to have that grabbing mentality, like I've got yeah. to grab a hold of it now, because if I don't, it's going to be gone, or I'm going to miss an opportunity. But you're so right. I mean, self-publishing is not going anywhere. No, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. it will it will not always be the gold mine that it yeah. is currently, yeah. but it's yeah. for people who are just there for the writing, mm -hmm. you're always gonna be able to do this. And yeah. you're always mm -hmm. gonna be able to start over and reinvent yourself. So why not make the mistake you have nothing but time? Right. And you have your Vanjie series and yeah. that's yours forever, you know. Yep. I mean, like if you had traditionally published it, it might be hard to get the rights back, but you've got it. And if you yep. want to relaunch it in five years, whatever you can, you know, yeah, that's, or that's rewrite awesome. it, yeah. like yeah. take out some of the non-cozy elements, which yeah. you know, or you could take those you romances know. and make them into mysteries. Yeah, I actually did. So that's hilarious. That's another mistake, right? That I made, and I ended up launching those uh, that romance series as a cozy mystery series on Radish, and it did well. Like I made money on it. So, oh, that's fantastic! Awesome. Yeah, that's great. I, I just I think there's always an opportunity to learn from your mistakes if if you treat it as it's a learning opportunity and not a failure, right? Like yeah. just learn from it. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, then vice versa. So, is there something that you thought this is a great idea? Like <laughs> this is going to or big and it just kind of fell flat and then yes how did you handle that afterwards <laughs> okay I, this is a really funny story um, oh, because it, it's it starts off with eunuch werewolves which you know is everybody's <laughs> favorite topic yeah so um, I was just reading about unique werewolves. Well, <laughs> like, it's such a it's such a hot topic um so I was, one, I'm one of those people, I have high ideation. And so mm -hmm. I like the creative, like the new thing that has never been done before. And I'm like, in paranormal romance, which I have a, a paranormal pen name with a co-writer, and we did very well with the first series that, that we wrote together. And I was like, awesome, let's build on this. <laughs> and let's write, no kidding, you guys are just gonna laugh. This is hilarious. I can't believe that this was logical to us at the time. So we're killing it in PNR and, and it's like a um, 50,000 to 60,000 word book, like category paranormal yeah. basically. Right. And I'm like, let's write a five POV fantasy romance <laughs> about a, 
about a colony of eunuch werewolves that lives it's like literally i'm like i think this is the most brilliant thing ever um and, and i loved the book so much it was so awesome and then of course as a i i'm not like hardcore romance hardcore like it has to be yeah. totally happy ending whatever and my co-writer was like so but we're gonna heal him at the end right he's gonna become like completely whole and i'm like no <laughs> you said i have a romance is all i want i know i was like so so we made it so that she could cast a spell for 24 hours that would heal him and i'm like there he's healed and she's like no he's he's not and like he's he's not and uh and it was 130,000 words i think the first book the second book yeah the second book was 150 i think um and um we released the first book and it (laughs) bombed so (laughs) hardcore like it was it's hilarious how hardcore that bombed um and then the second book when we released we released onto radish and and the two books did fairly well there not great Mm -hmm. um but as as we were talking about it, I was like, "Was it was it a mis- was it a mistake to like <laughs> write romance heroines who couldn't have sex?" I I and she's like, "Yeah, <laughs> pretty much is." Well, I mean, <laughs> did you did people read it and then review it badly, or did they just not read no. it? No, no, they. So the people who read it loved it because it was it was an offshoot of the world yeah. that we had already right right, right yeah um and so our fans loved it and we still get emails about like when's that <laughs> second book coming out and, and i'm like y'all are just yeah. really troopers for like yeah. that thing but yeah. i love the story it's it yeah. is very epic fantasy ish yeah um and so we've been talking about rewriting it as as a real fantasy romance and yeah. uh and changing some things about it, but um, it's not. It never got reviewed poorly. It just didn't get read. Oh, just pretty, cool. pretty niche. Yeah, yeah. It's a very niche book. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm still not quite sure who that niche is comprised of. Well, you found some, other than so, me. <laughs> like, so, I loved it. Paranormal so, romance you, uh, urologists. They love. Uh, <laughs> they loved it. They thought they it was so love great. It. Well, of course, it's magic, right? So everybody was reading it thinking it's magic. You can just fix it. And I was like, you can't fix it. You break the rules. And so we're going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about Radish because I've heard a little bit. Do you recommend that? Not recommend it? And who do you recommend it for? Yeah, it's a hard question because the people who sell on Radish just sell bonkers. And and there are like... um, uh, Tamara Lush, who won a Rita last year, yeah, um, uh, she was a radish um, superstar, basically. Like she mm-hmm. sells great on radish, um, and but her books are definitely right in that market. Like the books that we wrote that did well there were young, very young heroines, kind of um, and heroes. The uh, uh, new adult sort of, I guess, is what we used to call it, um, yeah. but very. Um, very hard i guess to it's hard to categorize that platform because the stuff that sells it's almost like a very niche place in itself like there there's this one series that sells that is steampunk um like turn of the century steampunk historical 
written by a guy and it's not really romance at all but it sells Mm. like hotcakes and then you have the kind of uh, Tamara Lush type of book which is very young and um, fast paced and um, very like scorchy almost is it angsty it's angsty yeah Yeah. they like they like the angst yeah Mm -hmm. so I would say look at what sells there and see how well you fit in because Mm -hmm. when they promote you you sell well because Mm -hmm. they do a really good job of promoting their writers Mm -hmm. Um, and then when they don't promote you you don't sell as well so you have to really be on top of um, writing what works there Mm -hmm. I guess is the best advice that's that's really cool yeah I know some romance authors that that do pretty well in there, but yeah. Um, yeah. But I think you're right. I think they write either pretty angsty or young adult, new yeah. adult, new adult. YA stuff, new, yes. Yeah. YA and new adult do well. Yeah. 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 Well, we're kind of getting towards the end. So we want to end on a positive note. Yeah. And yes. we want to just, no not more unique werewolves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and more even the though, more even the though that's a really fun topic. So, um, yeah. so what's the biggest thing you've done to set yourself up for success, either in writing or marketing or both, whatever? I would get connected as quickly as possible with a community of supportive people because you can get through an awful lot when you have people who support you and there will be stuff to get through. Right. So yeah. that's yeah. exactly, I agree. That's yeah. really awesome. And Mink is Novelist Inc. in case anyone yes. yeah. <clears throat> isn't sure about that, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Writer friends are awesome. Writer we have a very, uh, spend a lot of time alone at our desk or in a coffee shop with our earbuds in. And yeah. So it's great to get together with writers, other writers yeah. and to connect. So, well, so k- tell us where we can find you and your stuff online. Tell us about your books and your podcast and all that. So the easiest place is if you go to YouTube and search for the QuitCast, Q-U-I-T-C-A-S-T. Um, that's the place to find kind of my nonfiction platform. Um, and if you are interested in reading the, um, Vanjie Vale mysteries set in Montana, she's a pastor baker. And, um, so if you're interested in those go to rlsymrlsyme.com and that's, uh, that's kind of how to find me. All right. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. And then do you have a, do you have a website for your nonfiction stuff too, or is it just the best yes. to the podcast? Yeah. Okay. It's the better, faster academy.com. It's all one word, better, okay. faster right. academy.com. Very good. Thanks. Very thank you, Becca. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Thanks for listening to the wish I'd known then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, Tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.